Lord Jesus, as we, Spirit of God, as we look into your word today, speak to us. Lord, we're looking at a passage from the Sermon on the Mount that all of us struggle with. So, Lord Spirit, we ask that you would convict us where we need conviction and encourage us where we need encouragement and transform us where we need transformation. Thank you for your gentleness with us, but thank you for your word too. Speak to us, we pray, in the name of Christ. Amen. The Sermon on the Mount, oh, I've clicked forward. We've been looking together. And just to bring a little bit of context of where we are, Jesus starts his first sermon to those that are gathered on that hillside, and he says there are eight ways to receive blessing. If you do these things, if you have these characteristics in your life, then blessing will flow. From God. So he said, work on these, work at making these part of who you are, because then God will produce this fruit within you. But he says, there's also areas that you've got to resist. Otherwise, it's like the weeds growing up amongst the, the, the wheat, and the weeds wrap themselves around and they can reduce the blessing that you receive. So work on these other areas that are common to all of us that that can reduce that blessing and squash it out of our lives. Then he says there are certain things that we can do, serving, giving, praying, blessing, and fasting, that, that if we do those, it positions us, it gets us in the right place to receive even greater growth in our spiritual lives with Christ. And then he goes on to look at the 10th commandment, do not covet. And he says, don't store up treasure on earth, because you can't serve both God and money. If you, if you, you have to make a decision, are you going to store up treasure in heaven or are you going to store up the treasure on earth? Because he says, where your heart is, there your treasure is. And where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be too. So you have to make a decision between the two. And then last week, we looked at this. He said, don't worry, be happy. As a song, I'm not going to break into a bit of that, but you know. Or Akuna Matata, as we looked at it last week. Don't worry about things. Why? Because your Heavenly Father knows what you need, and He's a loving God that will supply your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek first the things of God and that relationship with God. And then He says, and all these things will be given to you as well. All the things that you need, your Heavenly Father knows, He's going to give to you and provide to you. As I said earlier, the problem is He doesn't provide it in my timing, He provides it in His timing. And I want it in my timing because, Lord, I always want it now or yesterday. But God says, David, it's, it's better if I wait because there's lessons I can teach you. It's better if I wait because there's things that you need to learn. And God always, when we look back, we see so often the struggle, but also the perfection of God's timing. But then he goes on from there to today's reading in Matthew chapter 7. He says this, do not judge 
or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. He says, do not judge. When you look at judging, the Greek word krino, there are three possible things that it could be talking about. Firstly, there's judges that sit in courtrooms. And have you been into a courtroom? No, don't put your hands up. I don't really want to know. I had to go and give evidence one time, support someone. And there the judge is sitting there up on the bench like that, looking at you with this mean look. Fills you with fear and trepidation as you go. I was only supporting someone else, but I felt guilty before I even, you know, as soon as I saw the guy sitting there. But to judge, that's what judges do. They, they weigh up the evidence and then they make a decision. So it could mean, do not judge, means, well, don't be in those kind of positions. Or it could mean to discern when we judge between something and something else. Outside after the service, there will be a fruit option or a wedding cake option. And you need to judge. You need to discern, even though there's zero calories in the wedding cake option, which one is better for me? It could mean to discern. So I have to look at it and weigh up the choices. Or it could mean to condemn. Where you point your finger at someone else. Do not judge. Well, to sit in a court, the Bible says that we are to honor those in authority. Titus 3.1 reminds us people, God puts people in places of authority to be over us because it's good for them to be like that. Romans 13, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. So it can't be that God is saying, don't, don't take any notice of these people. Because the Bible says God has placed them there and they've been placed by God to perform these functions. But what about discernment? Well, the Bible says we are to discern things. In Matthew chapter 7, he says, By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but bad tree bears bad fruit. And so on. Thus, by their fruit, you recognize them. So he says you need to be discerning. You've got to look at other people, look at the fruit of their lives to see really what's going on inside. He says it again in 1 John 4, 1. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. How many people do you know that, that run after someone without testing the spirit that's behind 
Their words sound good. Their words sound, and then they fall and they fall away and they lead other people astray because they don't test the Spirit of God. So it can't mean to discern, but it means to condemn. In Romans 14, it's probably too small for you, but it says this, except one of those, one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. Why? Because God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? It says in Luke 6, the parallel passage with this. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. So when God is saying, when the word is saying, do not judge, he's saying, don't condemn, don't Point your finger down on someone else. Why? Because what you're doing in that moment is you are diminishing them and elevating yourself. As soon as you start criticizing, as soon as you start pointing your finger down on someone else, what are you doing? You're saying, I'm more important than you. My words are more important than yours. What I'm saying is more important than what who you are. In fact, I'm going to sit in judgment over you. I have that right. But the Bible says what? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat together. We're all people of equal. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. You're not higher than me. You're not lower than me. We're one. We are one body because we all share one blood. We're all born into the one family. So how can we point our fingers at anybody else? We're all created in the image of God. In fact, displaying that critical spirit is sin. That's what it is. As soon as you point your finger, as soon as you say something, that elevates you over someone else or denigrates them below you, it is sin. I want you to think for a moment about every conversation that you can remember this last week. How many times did you say something that was negative about someone else? How many times did you effectively point your finger down on them? And judge them. Make a a statement about them. Maybe not to them. Maybe it was just in your heart or in your mind. Maybe it was to a third person. Oh, you know so and so. Let me tell you. Let me give you my opinion. Anybody? Am I the only one? I think not. That is sin. So what do we do? Because I would guarantee that every single one of us 
had a conversation like that last week. True? You're in church, you've got to be honest. We all, we all go around judging everybody. You see somebody in certain clothing, you make a judgment. You see someone with a certain hairstyle, you make a judgment about who they are. You look at people on the bus or in the tube and you eye them up and you make judgment calls. You say things about other people. We have that critical spirit. What do we do about it? How do we protect ourselves against doing that, against sinning over and over again by having that attitude? The answer is in Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Anytime you find yourself in that moment with a critical spirit, remember Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, let's read this out together, out loud. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You got that? That's the answer. Let's have a look at it in a bit more detail. Firstly, it says live by the Spirit. The person, the first thing you need to do before you're about to say something about any situation, about any individual, is am I living by the Spirit? Which means, how is my relationship with God? Am I, am I close to God? Am I looking at this individual through the eyes of God? Is what I am about to say the very words that God will want to say to them. Is that what I'm doing? So I look at myself in those moments and I say, how am I really honestly with the Lord Jesus Christ? How close am I to the Spirit of God? Could I say at that moment that whatever I'm going to say is the Word of God to that individual? Or is it the Word of David to that individual or that situation? It says those who, who live by the Spirit, those who are spiritual, those who are connected to God, then what you're about to say has some value. You're not going to sin. Because actually in that moment, then you're going to be a priest. Remember what I said about being a priest of all believers? What do priests do? Priests take the word of the people up to God. And they take the word of God to the people. If you are close to the Lord Jesus at that moment, if you, are, if you are hearing from Him, there are times where you need to say something because God wants to use you to flow through you into that person's life. So ask yourself, how's my relationship with God? Am I sure that this is the word of the Lord to them? Or is this the word of me? Am I hearing from God clearly, Lord, I need to be sure this is you. I need to be sure that what I'm about to say that comes out of my mouth is directly from the throne room of heaven. Am I living by the Spirit? And what standard 
of judgment am I using? Do you remember 1 Samuel? The Lord said, man judges by what? Externals. But God, what does he do? Looks into the heart. He sees the inside. Is what I'm going to say just an external thing? Or is it because God has revealed to me their heart and I need to speak into their heart? First thing. Secondly, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should do what? Restore. The second thing, before you even speak, am I living by the Spirit, but are my motives pure? Am I seeking to restore this person? How much of what we say to others is restoration? You see, you can say something if, if your motive is there because I want to lift them up. I want to restore them. Sometimes we need to correct one another, right? You know that with children. With children, there's sometimes you have to say harsh things. Why? Because you want to restore them. You want to correct them. You want to guide them in the right pathway. And we need that as adults too, don't we? Anybody not need restoration? Anybody not need guidance from one another? I do. I've got a newly married couple. I'm sure they will guide one another. That's part of the role when you get married. That's part of the role of the body of Christ as well. To guide one another. To help one another to grow. We are responsible for the growth of one another. So there are times where we need to help to restore and encourage one another. And when our motivation is pure, then we know that what we're doing is, is helping to do that restoration work. That God is using you and me, flowing through you and me into one another. Am I living by the Spirit? Is my motivation restoration of that person? And thirdly, am I doing it gently? Are my words going to be gentle words or harsh words? You can say the same thing in two different ways. You can say something with a real harshness and a real sense in which you're going to just destroy someone. Or you can say the same thing, have the same result, but in a gentle fashion that builds them up. It still is harsh, but it's, there's love behind it. There's that motivation and restoration behind it. And, and then you know you can take those words. Because you know where they're coming from. You know the heart that's behind it. What kind of language? Am I going to use, now I'm not talking about Dutch or English here. I'm talking about the choice of the words that you use. Are they derogatory? Are they, are they seeking to pull down or are they seeking to build up and help? Will it build or will it destroy? Jesus said some harsh words in the Scriptures. But His words were so often gentle. They are, they are always trying to build people up, always trying to encourage them and draw them closer to the Father. What kind of language am I using? How will others feel afterwards? 
By that I mean the person that you're going to go and talk to, but also there may be other people around that are listening in. What are they going to think? Are they going to be built up? Are they going to be encouraged just by overhearing those words? How are they going to feel? Then Jesus says, carry, the word says, carry each other's burdens. Is what I'm about to say helpful in carrying their load? Each one of us has so many burdens we carry, true? Our shoulders are weighed down with burdens. We have burdens for ourselves, burdens for our loved ones, burdens for family, burdens for friends. And the Word says we are to carry each other's burdens. Is what I'm going to say at this moment going to help carry their burden? Is it going to help? Is it coming alongside, putting my arm around and saying, you know what? I'm saying these things because I love you. I'm saying these things out of a pure motive, but I'm saying these things because I want to help carry the load too. I want to get involved. I'm not just going to come along, point a finger at you and walk away, leaving you in a worse mess than I found you. I'm going to come along, be an instrument of God to help carry the load. How will it help carry it? And how committed am I to the journey? The other night I was out. Met my, our two sons. Dad, can you take my bags back for me? Sure. So I loaded them in the car, golf bags, change of clothes, everything else. Wouldn't have been much good if I was driving back from Uxbridge and I got to Pinner and I went, I'm fed up with carrying their bags in this car and just lobbed them out the window. Would have been no good, would it? They'd come home and say, Dad, uh, wh where did you put my bags? Oh, I got fed up with carrying them. I just lobbed them in Pinner somewhere. Can't remember where. If you just search Pinner, you'll find them, I'm sure. That's no good. You have to know, like, if I'm going to say something to someone, am I prepared not only to come alongside but am I prepared to be committed to the journey with them? If God is going to use me to say something into someone's life, to flow through me, I have to be prepared not only to come along, put my arm around them, but then to journey with them as we build up again. To be there and say, you know what, I'm committed with you for as long as this takes. So often we say things and we run. He says, in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Matthew, he says, love the Lord your God. You know this? With all your heart, soul, strength, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the law of Christ right there. Will it help to fulfill the law of Christ? Those five things you need to ask yourself before you open your mouth. 
Am I living by the Spirit? Are my motives pure? Are my words gentle? Is what I'm about to say helpful in carrying the load? Am I committed to this? And will it help us fulfill the law of Christ? If the answer is yes to all of those, then speak. But if it's no to even one of them, shut up. Keep quiet. Because what you're doing is you're going to just about to sin. You're just about to elevate yourself over someone else, point your finger down at them, and crush them. That's what you're going to do. And you will sin. And you're not helping your brother or your sister. Every time you're thinking a critical thought in your mind, every time you want to judge someone else, remember those five questions. If you can't remember them, just go Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Let me read it again. Let me check myself before I open my mouth. In my art class in, when I was in high school, above the blackboard, we used to have blackboards in those days. Then they changed to whiteboards. Above the blackboards, it said this. It's all I remember from art class. Engage brain before operating mouth. That was the some use of art for me. But it's wise words, and it's words that we need to remember for this. Think first before you speak. You know why? Because so much damage is done by a critical spirit. So much. We see the legacy of it everywhere. Jesus said, that's how you remove the plank from your own eye. Before you can take the speck out of someone else's eye. But equally, we need to not only protect ourselves before we speak, but we need to protect ourselves when others speak to us. How many times this last week has somebody said something critical to you, a criticism to you, or in the last month, or you still have that critical word that was spoken, or that look, or whatever it was going around in your mind and in your heart. How? How do I protect myself against the judgmental attitudes of others? Because if we allow that judgment to come into us, it can cause such damage in our lives and such pain. And it limits it limits what the potential of God within us so much. First thing, really quickly, take a step back. Generally, there are two responses when somebody criticizes you. Either you fight back. Pauline says something negative to me, I'll say something even more negative to Pauline. Who does she think she is anyway? 
standing up there pointing her finger down at me. She'll say something. I'll say something that'll try to hurt her even worse than she's just hurt me. You've been in those situations? Somebody says something, you say something back. They'll say something else, you'll say something else. And so the cycle goes on. Or the second way people deal with it is they shrivel up. Their heart, their spirit just closes up. If you struggle with self-esteem, that's generally what will happen. Somebody will say something negative to you and you'll go, yeah, I know that. And your heart just insides. And you just be quiet. You won't say anything back. But inside you'll feel the pain. Because it reinforces what you're already going in your head. Yeah, I'm, I'm rubbish anyway. I know that. I expect them to say that. And it reinforces the damage that's being done in your life. What you need to do before you respond is to take a step back. Because your defense mechanism needs to be disengaged for a moment. And when you take a step back, sometimes that takes days, to be honest. If somebody has said something to you, sometimes it can take days before you get the emotions out of the way, before you can actually look at what's been said with some kind of objectivity. Take a step back. Then you ask yourself, what are they really saying? People say one of three things. Sometimes it's really about you. Or it's actually about them. Or it's a bit of both. When you can disconnect your initial response to it, when you can look and actually kind of analyze what they're saying, most of what people say is really all about them. They're upset with something, so they'll launch out at you. But actually, really, all they're doing is telling you that they're upset. It's got nothing to do with you. Really, they're just kind of venting because you happen to be there in earshot. And when you take a step back, you can say, you know what? This is nothing to do with me. This is all about where they're at. I'm not going to own their rubbish. Why should I? Because it's them. Sometimes it is about you. When, when they have that closeness of relationship with you, you know, when you have really good friends, sometimes you can have really good friends that come along and say something to you. They put their arm around you and they say something, and it hits home because you know what they're saying is true. And you know how hard it is for them to say it to you. But because they love you, they're willing to say it. They've gone through those other processes. And they know that God is using them and flowing through them at that moment because God wants to flow through them his word into your life. Sometimes it really is about me and it's about God touching me and saying, David, you're going down a wrong pathway here. You need to change. You need to listen. And sometimes, maybe most times, it's a bit of both. 
So you need to think about really what's being said. Is this about me? Is this about them? Or is this a bit of both? And if it's a bit of both, what is the bit that I need to learn from that I can take that will help me? And how can I leave the rest? What are they really saying to you? This is critical. Hurting people hurt others. That's a fact. When someone is hurting, really hurting, they tend to find people they can dump that hurt on. And there are people that are consistently critical. Don't listen to them. Do not listen to them. There are people, sadly, that hurt so much or that have been through so much that all they do is they're critical nonstop. Everything they say is criticism. You know people like that? I'm sure you do. Do not listen to them. I made a list once of all those people. I'm not talking about people that sometimes are critical because we all like that. When we go through hard times, when we hurt, we're very vulnerable to be critical to others. It's just a way of expressing our hurt so often. But there are people that are so hurt, so damaged, that they just are consistently critical all the time. Not just to you, but to everybody. You look at them. They're complaining about this person. They're complaining about that person. They're complaining about everybody that, and every situation that is in their sphere of influence because they're so hurt. I would suggest you make a list. And any time they come on that list, do not listen to them. Because if you start listening to them, their criticism, their their hurt starts going into you and it will start having a negative effect in your life. Do not listen to them. Sometimes God asks you to help them. That's different. But generally, don't listen to what they're saying. Don't take it on board. That's what I mean. I don't mean just ignore them. I don't mean, you know, just say, I mean, don't allow it to get inside of you. Recognize where it's coming from. What are they saying? Then you need to ask yourself, is there anything that I can learn from this? Is God really trying to teach me something? Is them speaking to me in this, in this manner, is this going to help me to grow closer to God? What can I learn from this? Is there anything? Sometimes people speak really helpful insights. Because we have really different perspectives. Sometimes in life we get so locked in to what we are that we can't see outside of that. And somebody coming along from the outside can, can show us something. And we go, man, I didn't see it in that way. That's really helpful. Thank you. But sometimes they show you something, but they don't have the whole picture that you have. And so their vision is limited. And therefore, when you hear it, you can say, you know what? It might be useful insight, but it's not really that helpful because they don't see the whole picture. 
They're not walking through my shoes. They're not seeing everything else that I know and I see. And there are reasons that I'm doing what I'm doing. And therefore, I can't do what they're suggesting. And the second thing I ask myself, you ask yourself, is about your security. What do I mean by that? When somebody criticizes you, when somebody judges you, what's your response initially? Because it helps to show you where you are. It helps to show me where I am with the Lord Jesus Christ. Am I secure in him? If somebody says something negative, I'm picking on Pauline because she's sitting there. She's, she judges me. She says something negative. David, you're the worst preacher in the world. Don't know why I came this morning. That was rubbish. Am I secure in Jesus? Am I going, well, I wasn't here for Pauline. I was here to do what the Lord was telling me to do, and I believe I said what he wanted me to say. Or am I going to be crushed because actually my relationship with Jesus is not that sound? My, my confidence in Jesus, my, my strength in Jesus Christ is not that, it's not as great as I thought it would be. You see what I'm saying? When, when you get rocked sometimes, it can help you to see the foundation. It's like when a strong wind blows, right? It's only then that you can see how good your foundations are. You used to build something. You used to build camps and stuff when I was young. It's only when the weather comes down, the extreme weather, you can see how good the camp is. When you put a tent up and the wind starts to blow, that's when you can tell how well you've pitched your tent. If it's sunshine and there's no wind and there's nothing going on, you'll never know whether you pitched it well or not. We're, we were camping in Wales one time. And the wind started to blow and everybody, you know, it was terrible. It was gale force winds at night and we were camping. We woke up in the morning, you know, it was so bad. And it was raining as well, so all the, the ground was wet, so all the tent pegs kept flying out the ground. You could tell those tents in the morning, the pitch were really good and well secure. Half of them were in the bin when we woke up in the morning. Or they'd, or they'd flown away somewhere. When trouble comes, you can tell how secure you really are. And so you can help to look at your own thing and say, Lord, am I really as, as, as close to you as I think I am? Is that where my security is? And then fourth, you say, are there any changes required? One word of warning with this. Do not change anything based on criticism alone. If somebody judges you and says something, don't change anything in your life. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit's work to convict you. What God will do through others is that they will say something that God is already working on in your life. So when they say it, it will be a confirmation of what you know is already true. And God will use that individual to confirm it within you. Just because Pauline thinks I'm a rubbish preacher, I don't then go quit preaching. But if the Holy Spirit says, David, just give this up, will you? You should be taking, you know, you should be driving a bus somewhere, not doing this. 
And then Pauline comes along and says, David, I really think, you know. You understand what I'm saying? If God uses in an individual to, to, conv- to confirm what God is already saying, then that's different. Change because the Spirit of God tells you to change, not anything else. Remember this. I love this quote from Billy Graham. It says it all. God's role and God's role alone is to judge. The Holy Spirit's role and the Holy Spirit's role alone is to convict. What's your role and my role? To love. It says it all. So often, we take God's role. We take the Spirit's role. That's why it's sin. And we fail in our role to love. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor. If you do that, then as he says, do not judge. You will not be guilty of either judging others or allowing the judgment of others to diminish your life in Christ. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life in abundance. So often we negate that by having a critical spirit. Allow God to root it out of you and to fill you with his love. His presence, his security, his arms around you so that you can be the child of God he longs you to be.